Hello, I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, YouTuber, Instagrammer, Facebooker, interviewer, etc. And welcome to the second series of my In Bed with Neil Moody podcast. If you enjoy listening to this episode, remember to go and subscribe to the series to be notified when new episodes are available. In series one, I interviewed friends and work colleagues from the fashion and beauty industry. But in series two, I'm expanding outside of my industry a little more and I'm subtitling this series, Turning a Corner. While some of my guests are still people in my industry, there will be others featured who I've met through my more recent conversations about mental health. Everybody I'm interviewing this time around either chose, were encouraged or forced to turn a different corner in their lives. My guest in this episode is the vivacious and talented Zoe Pocock, ex-manicurist turned creative genius behind Muck and Brass, the upcycling interior design company, and also TV presenter for CBB's Junk Rescue and BBC One's Flipping Profit. I met Zoe in her South London studio and we chatted about her growing up in the south of England, starting out as a hairdresser turned entrepreneur manicurist suffering from depression and recovering from that through learning to upcycle furniture and unexpectedly turning it into a new business. Hi Zoe. Hello. Hi, <laughs> you are live, but you are allowed to swear it's not CBBs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We're in your, well this is the office of your studio, yes. right? Yes. Muck and brass. This is the clean part. Do you say muck and brass or muck, muck and, and brass? brass? I say muck and brass. Right, yeah, the southern way. But Abby, who works me, is muck and brass. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's begin. I just want to ask you first off, tell me about where you grew up and what's your upbringing? Okay, so I, I grew up in Lewis, just outside Brighton. Oh, right, okay. We were brought up, so my granddad sort of ran a farm actually on the Lamport Estate. Mm which is quite weird if you know Lewis, like everyone like everyone knows that Lamport's quite a, it's the estate. Right. No one wanted to live on that estate. So we lived right on the edge and my granddad worked on the farm. So we were brought up on the farm because my mum obviously had to work and stuff. Hmm. So we, yeah, we used to go around and collect the hens, eggs and right. help pigs being born. And like so it was proper. like a working farm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I absolutely loved it. Hmm. I won't lie. I have such great memories. Hmm. Like... My, my fondest memory is there was um, troughs in the field for the pigs mm. and the local bakery would come before six in the morning and empty everything from yesterday into the troughs for the pigs. I mean, God, you would never be allowed to do that now. No. But me and my sister used to think, oh, we'd go down there and my mum would kill us if she knows, and I'm not, hopefully she won't listen to this. <laughs> we'd go down in the field at six in the morning and if you could find a cake with a cherry still on it, it was okay to eat. Oh, really? <laughs> Out of the field. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my upbringing. It was on the farm, working with my granddad. And, yeah. And, you know, later on in life, when I had the kids, I wanted them to have those memories. So that's why we moved, which I'll tell you about later. Yeah. But yeah it was in Lewis until I was 18. Hmm. 18, 19. So you had, a, you had a happy childhood, would you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, my mum and dad... You would never put them two together. Right. Very Why different characters. Very different characters. Mm. Like, completely opposite. It's quite bizarre. But, mm. you know, they were together for years. My mum and dad were, you know, hard workers. My mum's still around. Unfortunately, my dad passed away mm. when, just before I had my second child, 22 right. years ago. But, yeah, it was really good fun. I did love it. And it was, so it was brought up in Lewis, um, but the nightlife now going out of the teenagers were in Brighton. 
So, and it was a great, great time. Well, Brighton's, I mean, I used to go to Brighton to go out. Yeah. And well, have that's such it. a great time there. There yeah, was I such mean, a now, scene, wasn't so there? So, Revenge, is it still Revenge, the gay club? The, I don't know. I haven't been there, there for ages. So, that was the first club really to go out as a kid. Right. Where you could get in with no ID, mm. um, which was on by the pier. And I think it's, I think it's still the gay club event. I think. Mm. I mean, I'll go back there, but it's so different now. We used to go Tuesday nights with student nights and you get the last train back to Lewis at 11.30. Then weekends you'd all share a cabin and yeah. come back at three in the morning. But, so I had a great time down there. Live, you know, being in Brighton, I mean, mm. I'd go back in a flash. And obviously then living in Lewis, which is quite countrified. And yeah, it was great. I was the only person in the whole family that had a love of horses. Mm. And of course, where we lived near the farm, I was able to live in a council estate and have horses. So that was... The best yeah. time of my life. I mean, I'm all the I'm, boxes ticked. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> we did have to borrow horses, so like I could, my family couldn't afford to like have horse boxes or take them to shows. So I'd have to. I was the only person who would ride there. Yeah. Pack lunch. Yeah. Do a show, win some rosettes, and then trot home. Whereas everyone else is like, you know, mummy's driven them there. Mm. It was a mixed feelings back then because I used to hate it. I felt. Did you feel an outsider? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. But I also used to win. Mm. And then sort of feel like... So then he was all right. But then I got... So my dad would always support me and he would turn up and watch. But my mum has got this massive fear of horses where she used to even dump me and my sister if we were in prams and buggies when we were little. If she saw a horse, she'd run in people's gardens and leave (laughs) it to the street. So she had like... She has got this huge fear. So I had, again, it was like a strange balance of... Mm. Having support from one person in the family <laughs> and having a massive fear from the other one. My mum would sit in a car and being parked in a field right up the top and watch. Binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was quite, it was never, nothing's ever like playing sailing really. It's either massively mm. up or down. I went to the same school as Piers Morgan. Oh, right. Little, same oh, year no, or? No, we're not at bloody old. <laughs> I'm going to put a picture up with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to put you through Facetune and make you look really old. Do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I don't do similar now to Piers. But yeah, so uh, primary school in Lewis, he was a few years ahead of me. Right. School life was great, but I didn't leave with any qualifications mm. because just before I started to do the exams, I decided I wanted to be a hairdresser. Right. And I got the job a Saturday girl job in the like trendiest hairdressers in um, Lewis called mm. the Cutting Club and it was the place to be with Simon Fordham and he used to take photographs he used to be like I don't know that name Simon Fordham you would definitely have heard of him yeah but back when I was so we're talking oh how many years ago a few years ago back then <laughs> when Ross was around he used to do like photographic hair he used to take photos of the clients he was doing the cutting and mm. it was all very black and white and all that sort of style and back then that was like it was new yeah and it was the place to be so I got this job working there and I also loved hanging around with people who worked there so mm. I used to actually go out with them so I was only like 16 I didn't really like anyone at school mm. like I didn't, well, I didn't say I didn't say really, really like I just didn't really connect with them yeah because I I was a bit different in the way I dressed and how I wanted to... What was your hair like then? Same as it is now. Really? Bleach blonde? I've got... You need to put these pictures up. So basically... (laughs) No, I was always blonde when I was younger. I've had to start bleaching as I got older and getting darker. I want to go grey, but it's Mm. just not happening. I tricked my granddad when my mum was at work because obviously he was on the farm. And I said to my granddad, mum wants you to get me to have my hair cut. And I had blonde shoulder length hair. And I wanted a rat's tail... Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember those. <laughs> and I, so I tricked my granddad to take me to his barber's and I had all this blonde hair cut off so it was just a rat's tail at the back and really short. 
My mum, I think I can't. I I think she passed out. <laughs> she was so upset, mm. and I think back. Like my granddad must have went through so much shit for that. Yeah, but I literally just lied to him and said, "Yeah, none said," and they really? took it and it all cut off, and it was the best thing ever. So from the age of about eight or nine, I had short hair. Mm. I didn't want long hair. I hated it. Yeah, and I've always had, and I've always gone to barbers. So even from that age, my granddad then started taking me to his barbers on a Saturday, even though they wouldn't do girls, because mm. I wanted it short. And um, so I've always, like, I haven't done it deliberately. I've just known what I've liked, yeah. and it, I've just got on with it. Mm. And I look back. I had to time. grow my rat's tail, <laughs> but I remember my mum going, "What's going on at the back?" And I was like, "Oh, nothing. I'm just growing it a bit." But I was great. And actually, when it got long enough, I wanted it blonde, so I sprayed sun in it. But of course, my hair was so dark it went up that I just had an orange. Tail, rat's tail. Yeah. I mean, I had I had one of those that was it was short at the back of your head and then long. I yeah. didn't like the ones that were long from down the back of no, your neck. I didn't no, like that. No. I mean, I'm saying that one was better than the other. They were both hideous. <laughs> Where did that even come from? I don't even know. Do you know what's I funny? Is it. really one trend it. I've realised that's never, never come back. <laughs> but isn't it funny? It's that young age kid who with no friends that wanted that and it mm. wasn't I wanted it and I lied to get it yeah that makes me had you seen wow. it on someone I, yeah I must have done you must have done right but I wanted it mm. even though no one <laughs> wanted one <laughs> so anyway I digress yeah. so I wanted to be a hairdresser like I, hair was my thing so I, I did one exam my mm. cooking exam and you were supposed to make a pasty and <laughs> for the exam I bought one. Okay. <laughs> I bought it. From the equivalent of what was what was then Greg's. Four fars. Yeah, it's got four fars. And it's probably Brilliant. still around in Lewis somewhere. Got it in four fars. In fact, four fars are the ones that used to empty the cakes into my granddad's <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. He's like a League of Gentlemen. Um, anyway, I bought it and I thought, oh, I'll just faff about and chuck yeah. some flour about. Because they didn't come around and watch it. They just, you had to go in and then come out with it and then put it on a tray. Mm. Anyway, they cut it open, don't they, to market and stuff. I've only got a ball of vegetarian pasty. Who <laughs> <laughs> does that? I didn't even know they existed back then. And I, there was no meat in it. Mm. They were like, oh, what meat do you put in it? I was like, oh, yeah, it's minced meat. And they were like, no, it's not. And then they had a look around thinking, mm, this doesn't really look real. <laughs> I mean, I've done that that trick for a long time since, like when the kids have had to make cakes for the school and stuff. I've bought it, smashed it about it, put <laughs> yeah, I've made that. Because I've seen it. that in a comedy show, think <laughs> <laughs> where it was like a women's fate, wasn't yeah. it? And one of them made she was supposed to have made a Victoria sponge, but she actually bought it's it. It's exactly what I do. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so I, I like your styles. So though. I didn't bother going back <laughs> off that. <laughs> No point in wasting anyone's time, really. Right. Because I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I knew it didn't need any qualifications. Were you academic, though? Would you say you're academic? Absolutely not. not. Right. I was so creative at school. So when I was at school, the only things you could do if you were creative was sewing mm. or CDT, which designed yeah. something in technology, which they just literally come out with that name. All that was was um, a screwdriver machine mm. and something that cuts metal. Yeah. Like, or you could make a bird bath or something. Yeah. Like, and that was this much as you can get being creative mm. I am no way academic I'm not stupid I've yeah. got common sense but school was not for me mm. in that case I mean I didn't I was so good at school I didn't smoke I didn't do anything bad like I wasn't like all the other kids smoking that mm. came later <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you were grown up 
<laughs> in the last few years. But I was lucky in the fact my parents couldn't give a shit. Yeah. They just wanted me to, my dad just wanted me to be happy. Right. And I think is that good. is so important. Don't press pressure your kids because, like, I've done so many things, as you'll probably hear in a minute, mm. that it's never affected it. Of course, it's great to have an education, but if it's not making you happy, just stop. Mm. Because, and now with lots of kids feeling depressed more these days I mean it's just not yeah I must admit I think now I mean I was academic personally but not I mean not to the point where I mean they wanted me to go and do A levels wow but I was (laughs) I was so over school who are you I know (laughs) I'm not who you think I am but I just wasn't interested I was like I want to get out of school I got this creative mind yeah Yeah, and I wanted to use that back then to be creative you like you're no good at anything else. You can't yeah. make it happen. When actually, a creative mind is really good in business yeah. and could be amazing. Yes, you need someone who's good at figures, but I'll employ someone who does that. Like yeah. you don't. So when I was younger, I was I was made to think a lot by other people, not my family. That actually, if you do hair, you're just be nothing. Yeah. Actually, I've met so many amazing people who have got amazing businesses and done incredible mm. things that do hair. But don't you think as well? Hairdressing, I think back then, especially, was always seen as like. The cop out yes. job to do oh, when you were seen as a bit. I tried. Thick, I didn't for want of a better yeah. word. Because I wasn't thick and I could have done those exams. Yeah. Because I got that job, I thought, after I failed at the pasty thing, mm. I was again just being creative. Yeah. Like, give me something at school that I can do an exam with and get creative, I would win. Yeah. But you didn't give me anything at school that I could mm. be creative. I didn't want to do sewing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really did well at that. I didn't even do the exam. I don't need. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need sewing. I yeah. mean, I do a lot now, but yeah. it's, yeah. There was just what So how long did so, you do hair for? I had such a short span of going to lots of different salons. So I was in Lewis, and then as soon as I had left school, and they couldn't take me on full-time or do the training. Plus, they were a bit slow on the training. Right. I knew I could do it. I'd already cut my sister's hair when she was seven, and my mum thought she'd been to the hairdressers. And I'd just wow. seen people do it, and I'd bought hairdressers. So yeah. I just, you know, when you've got this thirst, you're like, really good visually. I don't want one day a week. Yeah. Teach me how to do a set. Mm. Like, I need to get in. So, I then went to Brighton and worked in Stage One, which is still there, and Neil still owns it. It's the stage door of the Theatre Royal in right. Brighton. Amazing. Learned so much there. I mean, that was, I mean, the fact that he's still got the same furniture. Mm. I went past this Christmas and it's still all the same. It's no just way. insane. Same decor? Everything. Wow. Yeah. And he's so popular. It's just mm. a weird one there because he was. He taught me about being about for the client and doing stuff for what they want or what's good for them. I'd worked in others in between because sometimes I worked in Kensington Gardens. It's really cool hairdressers. I worked there for a weekend because Mm. Neil didn't really do much Saturday, Sunday. He was Monday to Friday. And I learned from that one that it's how to be really trendy and get people in, but it wasn't Mm. really there. You had a fast turnover of clientele. Right. It was the place to be. But you never went really went back. Mm. Whereas Neil taught you to like, and, and he's proven himself because he's still like, what, yeah, twenty six years later, he's still got the same decor. He's still busy. <laughs> he's still like got his clients, and I think, yeah. So I was yeah. really lucky. Then I was out partying at the same time, obviously, because it was nineteen ninety babes. All night <laughs> raves are coming yeah. in, and you know, mm-hmm. Brighton's the place to have these parties. You've got the Zap Club. You've got the Escape. Those are all the clubs I, was, I went yeah. to. <laughs> Do you know what? There's one that, sorry to interrupt, but there's one song <laughs> that always reminds me of Brighton when I hear it, and it was that one, Bomb the Bass. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to Brighton and hearing it there for the first time, being like, oh it's my God, this is amazing. Every, all the first really happens there, to be yeah. fair. 
So yeah, I was going. I was going clubbing in the Sap Club with Freemasons mm. with Russell. So that was great times. But in that time, she goes and falls pregnant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe Dean, the party queen, never going to have kids, just wants horses and dogs and live in the country, falls pregnant. So, mm. and I was with this guy and I was thought I was doing the right thing, thinking, yeah, we'll get married and blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was in the army. Yeah, and that week before I thought, nah, what am I doing? Mm. And I just like, no, sorry, this ain't right. So, proverbial shite hit the fan because people mm. were like, what are you doing? You need to settle down. You need to and I thought, no. Weirdly, like I'd always said, I did, I wasn't, and I haven't never been sort of maternal. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to keep this child, and I'm going to have her, and I knew what I was doing, and I went against what everyone was trying to tell me. Mm. And it's, you know, it has turned out the best thing in the world. I had Charlie, then suddenly I'm on my own. Got a little and how old's Charlie now? Charlie. 26. 26. Yeah. Right. Suddenly I've got to get a flat. I've got to get a job. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Getting shit together, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um, got a flat. Yeah. And then, thankfully, my mum was amazing, mm-hmm. um, and my dad at the time. And I said, well, "I've got to get a job, like like a proper, full on job now, because work faffing around in you know, a hairdresser is fine, but I needed clientele. I needed, you know, yeah. suddenly I've got an extra person. So I thought, I know what I do. I'm going to get a job in my favourite club." So I can go out <laughs> and get paid. <laughs> Kill two birds with one yeah. stone. I actually went and got a job in a pre-club bar, which is now the Hotel Tavan in Brighton. Right. It used to be called the Berlin Bar. I'm sure a lot of people remember it. So I've walked in during a day. Now, bear in mind, this place holds, I think, 1,500 people, 800 right. people. It was a big bar. Mm. And they had a DJ, and it was amazing, rocking place every weekend. But I walked in on a Monday, and it was... Deathly silent, big wooden floors, and there's a round table right at the other end. And about four or five people sat around him. Mm. So there was, now I know it's called Big Mike, my Mike, right. my husband, yeah. <laughs> and two others. One was the DJ and one was the DJ's friend. So I walked in and I said, oh, I've come from the job. And they went, okay. And they all elbowed each other. It was like, oh God, who's going to sort this out? Right. <laughs> so my sister <laughs> gave me this form, I filled this form out. And he went, oh, so when can you start? I said, well, whenever. He said, oh, come in Friday. And he said, bring a bikini. And I thought, oh, Jesus, it's one of those places, isn't it? Mm, like, gosh, oh, what have I done? Like, <laughs> Do I really need this? Like, <laughs> I've now got, you know, a child, a very small child. <laughs> My boobs aren't the same. So, uh, <laughs> you know, empty pit of breads. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, God. So, okay. Uh, I went, hey. I said, Mark, got the job. Amazing. But the folks are pervert. Well. we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I love that. Go in. Well, cuts 12 weeks later, we're married. <laughs> we got married in 12 That's the weeks. pervert. Who's <laughs> <laughs> now your husband. Yeah. And let me explain the bikini thing. So basically, what it was, I mean, it's the way Mike puts things across. He comes across so different. <laughs> so not, not like that. not as bad as you think. Yeah, for anyone listening who doesn't know Mike, he's a lovely guy, by the way. So basically what it is, because we used to work from like eight seven or eight until like one or two I think mm. sometimes or oh, 12 by the time everyone got out so you didn't get a night out so Mike had a friend who had an indoor pool at his house he used to go there for parties after and like sort of treat the staff right. and that's what it was for but he didn't explain that right <laughs> so I've got him to work that day he said no I don't bring a bikini thank you very much and then he just proceeded to get everyone drunk he used to get his staff drunk because they worked better mm. and they had a better time so I, I loved working there but yeah so within 12 weeks, we I'd met him that 
interview, and we were married in that twelve week. Wow. Yeah, I met his parents pretty much at the wedding. Like it was that quick. <laughs> You're like, hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm your you daughter. Imagine, <laughs> you imagine though, neither of us actually at that time wanted to get married. I mm. just decided I wanted to be single. I'm going to bring this baby up on my own. And then suddenly, yeah, twenty two years later, we're still here. What made? What do you think was the thing to make you go, let's get married? I, I, he asked me. He will say he didn't, but it was right, him. Right. So, well, he'll admit he did it, but he mm. said I made him. I don't know. Just on a it's whim. Well, weird, yeah, yeah, because neither of us were like that. Like, yeah. he was, no, never going to get married. And that's how he acted. Mm. I was definitely not in that zone right now. Plus, mm. I thought he was a pervert bit. Like, <laughs> he wanted you in a bikini. But then we just, yeah, we went out on one. Well, actually, we had our first date after we were married. Right. We went to the cinema after we got married. Is so. This is how my life has panned out. It's yeah. always been like this. It's never been quite not the conventional. No. <laughs> but yeah. I haven't set out to do it deliberately. Just no, like, it's just the way you it look goes. around after. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see what I did there. So, at what point then did you then start doing manicures? Because that's when I met you, yeah. wasn't okay. it? As you yeah. were a manicurist. Yeah. Well, God knows how long ago that was. But that's got ten years. Easily, if easily. not more. And it's weird because it only seems like five minutes ago. Yeah. Mike yeah. introduced us. Yes. Because you needed a, they needed nails at Wendell Moody. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. the other day I thought, I said to Mark, I don't remember how I met him. I was yeah. in the street went, oh, how do you? I introduced you. Oh, God. No, you're <laughs> right. It is right because I'd met, by the way, yeah. for anybody listening, Mike, Zoe's husband, is also a manicurist. Yeah, he still is. He still, he still is a is. manicurist. Yes. And a, a really great manicurist with who I work with a lot. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all bookings. Yeah. <laughs> still taking bookings. Yeah. But, so, yeah, you're right, actually, Mike introduced us, yeah. because I remember saying to Mike, I need... Yeah, and that's how we, we got introduced, to get and I didn't... Yeah. I couldn't remember. Sorry, Neil. No, I couldn't <laughs> either, because I've got that I met you on a shoot. Well, we probably did after. But, yeah. So, basically, okay, so me and Mike met. We um, were together whilst he was running the Berlin Bar, and then, basically, I was struggling at the time to, like, <laughs> like deal with not going out, bringing up a baby. We got married... We have Alfie, mm. my youngest son, who's mm. 22, 21, 22. I forget their ages now, you know. Mm. Blends in. And we were like, okay, we need to move away. Because basically, I it was hard. Mike working nights late, and then me with the two kids. Um, and at the time, Mike's parents had a pub in Shropshire. Yeah. So they said, look, do you want to come and run this one? We, we want to go and get another pub. So we moved in the middle of nowhere. And I thought, this is perfect, because I, I told you earlier, I wanted that for my kids. I loved my bring, upbringing in that farm, mm. but still being able to go out and be near a town. Yeah. Like, those memories of being in the country, I wanted that for my kids, so we went straight up there. Yeah. So we did. We had horses in the garden, we had chickens, we lived in the middle of nowhere, I loved it. Plus, I love working, so being able to work and have the kids there at the same time. You know, I was running the car, I was front of house, and I was doing the chef in. Mm. It was great. Mike hated it. Because it was tough. Like, we in one year, we had a fuel crisis, foot and mouth mm. disease. You lived in the middle of nowhere. So it was a tough time to run a business. Mm. So we did this pub, and then we moved to another one in another village. And opposite that pub was an old barn. And I used to, like, look in the window, and it was literally a 1970s salon inside. It had oh, like, wow. been deserted and left. Mm. Now, this village was like a Miss Marple village, a tiny post office, the pub, the school. Mm. And it was idyllic, beautiful. And then this barn, and I thought, oh my God, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to open a nail and beauty salon. Even though I'd never been to a salon at this mm. point. I'm still young. Yeah. I've, two kids. I've, done it, I've been rushed through a yeah. lot of stuff. <laughs> I 
thought, no, I could do this. I'm going to open this house. So I got hold of the estate around the bomb. I said, can I rent it? And I went, yeah. It's like pittance. Mm. Um, I started to do it up during the afternoon when the pub was shut. And what I did, I opened it as basically a place you could come and have a glass of champagne, have a small treatment and have some nibbles. Mm. So it was like a, a little package. Like an experience. Because, yeah, because yeah. there was nowhere for people to go. Yeah. Unless you got a car and drove 14 miles. Like, you you had to have your own cow, practically, to have milk in the village. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah. Fun. And I thought, they need somewhere to go. There's nowhere to go. And it was right next to the school. Well, it got so busy that I was like, I need to make my nails better to be quicker because mm. I want to start offering a full service now. Yeah. So I entered competitions, nail competitions in London, um, just to make them better quicker. And obviously, back then, you only have magazines to look at. There was not mm. much social media. Well, there was no Instagram back no, then. No, nothing, man. And so I came down and I started to see these people like Marion Newman being the judges. Yeah. And then, I mean, my nails were okay. I was never going to be someone else because I'm someone who, lo- who has an amazing idea, but I'm very quick at guessing it. Mm. I'm not someone who's a perfectionist who wants to take too long doing it. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. very, like, you I love watching you guys do your hair and stuff. Yeah. But a lot of people spend too much time and it's just like, that's mm. not right. You're not even going to get a good picture. So it was great for me to meet all these people and like mm. get a buzz from it. And also say you've been there and you've done these competitions, have the certificates on your wall back in this country village. Yeah. And then I won an award, Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award with BP. Unexpected. Share. Unexpected. <laughs> gave me some cash and mm. so we opened I opened with Mike a salon in, in a town nearby and I said to Mike look how do you feel if I sent you training can you help because it was getting really busy and I said it's very easy mm. you, you, you know I'm not the brightest crown in the book you can do it yeah well of course he was getting busier because he's a six foot one heterosexual male he even said once, what do I do when they touch me on the knee? <laughs> like, Let them touch you. Yeah. Get yeah. back in. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to say that. Listen, <laughs> needs must. You were allowed eh? those days. Yeah. No, you can't do it these days. Yeah, and so we got really busy. But so Actually, yeah, thinking about it, they probably loved him, didn't they? Oh, plus, he's quite intelligent. Like, yeah. We are, as, as nail technicians, are generally not known for great conversation. Mm. I mean, even hairdressers aren't. It's, you know, yeah. the jokes around yeah. going on your holidays. Oh, did you have a nice Christmas? Whatever. Yeah. Like, Mike listens to Radio 4. I only listens to podcasts. Um, mm. And as you know, Neil, anyone who's met him, he's, yeah. he's too intelligent for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how are we together? I, I think I'm like a project. <laughs> That works. <laughs> she has a keep. But you did yeah. break up for a while, didn't you? Seven years. We did a sabbatical. Yeah. Because obviously, good together, I was really up. Like, mm. God, we had a second child at 22. We were living in Shropshire and had a pub when I was 22. I look at my 22-year-old son now. I couldn't trust him to go across London on his own. Mm. How on earth I thought I was okay. I thought back then that I knew everything and it was fine, yeah. which, you know, I did. I made stuff happen, but I was very young, but I didn't mm. think I was. Yeah, so we split up, but we didn't, well, we split up. That time, we opened this big salon, and I, we were splitting up, so I was like, he's going to have the salon. At the time, I went for a job with Mary Newman. This is a great story. So yeah. basically, she would put out this call for nail technicians to help her open Mary Newman Nails at Charles Weddington. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go for that. Drove down to London, absolutely shitting myself, <laughs> swear down. 
and got there because I suddenly found out who was going to be there to help decide who was going to get the job. And it was intense because it was all these judges that I'd mm. been seeing in competitions. And I'm like, I'm not this good. Like, oh my God, this is yeah. going to be a nightmare. And I also had no, no training. Mm. Like, just the odd course. Self-taught. Yeah, it was yeah. like, I've been, to, I've done a, um, a nail course with one product company. You know how they were back in the day. Product companies did your training. Yeah. And you could get away with that. Nowadays, you can't. You've got to be accused all this. But I didn't have any of that. So, yeah. And then I get the job. <laughs> I was so right. I was like, oh, my God. There were so many people in there. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. And it was like, oh, my God. It's like, there's Lisa Smith. There's Mary Newman. And I was like, yeah, I've got the job. And I was like, shit. We're splitting up. I'm going to London. Yeah. I'm going to work for Latest. <laughs> yeah. You have the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I came down. Wow, what a change in my life because I had never, firstly, I'd never not had cash in my pocket all day because mm. I'd have the pub takings or I'd be doing the shopping. So, to suddenly come to London, you need to pay for a bus, you need to like mm. pay for your shopping every day. It was like really tough to suddenly not live in a family environment. That was really hard. Yeah. But also, like, it changed mine and Mike's life completely. Like, mm. from that moment on, we went through lots of different things individually and then suddenly, career wise, like, things just blew up. So yeah. I was doing a lot of sort of press and stuff at um, Charles Wellington. So I, um, Lauren Murdoch-Smith, I think she's mm-hmm. now Vogue. Yeah. She came in one day and I was, she was at Graxia back then, and like as an assistant. I was just doing her nails and I said, oh, can I do this manicure? I've just come up with this fancy manicure. It's called, I've called it a Le Boutin manicure. Mm-hmm. And well, basically I painted the nails on top and then I painted red underneath. And she went, oh my God. I need. We need to shoot this. We're doing a shoe campaign, like a ten-page spread. I need to do this. Can we shoot it? I was like, Yeah, let's do it. Bear in mind, I've been there a few months, so I didn't really know. I'm still getting used to doing press because it's totally out of my remit. I've been doing a country pub (laughs) (laughs) and like nails from like women who like dig out horses' hooves for a living. Totally different genre people. (laughs) So. She set up the shoot and Mike, I got Mike to do the nails on the shoot because sometimes, well, I have the ideas mm. and Mike executes it. So I, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you Google it, like that blew me up. That, that image Oh, I remember. Was Didn't it, who had it that made it really famous as well? Was it... Um, Grazia used it. Then it was in a the, German architecture magazine. It was yeah. all over the world. And then didn't, he, didn't Adele have it? Yeah, Mike did it, yeah. yeah. And I remember it was a really big thing when Adele had it. it Oh, I remember it really well. Crazy. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Like, just, but, and I was like, that's such a simple idea. Yeah. How weird. And this is how I suddenly got this thirst for like, oh my God. It's about quickness. And going back to, you know, doing the hair too slowly for me. Yeah. Sometimes I have these ideas that seem so simple and like Mm. not worth doing, but actually are just insane. Mm. And that's what I love about what I do. Yeah. then and now is yeah. that I can just do whatever I want and some are amazing and mm. some aren't I mean but that manicure blew us up so then, where did nail rocks come into this as well oh. need to remember don't forget you did nail rocks which was well, like huge is, okay, so I got sacked from Charles Charles right. <laughs> what do you do well that Louboutin Mal- manicure basically right they didn't like it that I didn't it wasn't through them right nothing to do with Marion mm. Marion had nothing to do with it. It was Charles Wellington, a, a, a brand, a, a, an identity. Yeah. And I see that now. But back then I was like, I thought I was helping them. I yeah. thought it was 
a good thing. They mm. just, just didn't like it. And then I had attitude about it. So back then right. I was young mm. and I was like, fucking screw it. Well, I didn't say that, but you know, it's like, yeah, but that, I did you a favour and now you're like being really rude about it. So yeah, yeah we parted ways. And that, that time, I had another idea. <laughs> I was already talking to another ideas idea. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So my head exploded. So me and Mike, we still stayed friends, of course. Like we, you know, we weren't bad to each other. Mm. In the time I was at Charles Wellington, I was basically saying to him, "Right, do you want some jobs? Because you need to come down here and do some nails." So his first job, he came, drove down. So he drove down from Shropshire. I think his first job was with Nick Knight. Right. And again, like come from a country club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But this is where it just shows you. Sometimes it's not about your skills. It's right. about your people skills. Like Mike is great with people mm. and he will adapt and you, you can pick things up and he's learned on, on his feet. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people, you spend too much time training. You, you can tell if you're not going to get it. Mm. Like, you know. So, yeah. yeah. And so he was doing shoots. I was doing a lot of photo shoots. And that's when I got introduced to you. Because mm-hmm. this all happened at the same time. And yeah. I started rock at while I was working some days at Wendell Moody. Right. So it became like I needed to sound sort of base myself out a bit, mm. but I was also working on this idea with Mike where you replaced nail polish. It was a sticker, basically, mm. and instead of using heat, you just put it on your nail. Had this idea. Thought at the time you couldn't do it on your own, so you go in with somebody. Yeah. And it was the worst time of my life. Like, I'll just briefly go over it. It went from turning over, like nothing to like six million in three yeah. years and so it was a massive big thing yeah it but exploded didn't it? it relationships really soured and things didn't work out and it actually was the worst time of my life when right. that went down it's but again now best thing that ever happened to me because mm. of where we are now so you know sometimes you just if you can get through those rough times yeah, and realise that it's not worth getting that upset about. And yes, you'll you'll lose friends, and yes, you might realise some friends aren't as good as you thought. Yeah, but you need that cleanse sometimes because mm. you've just wasted too much time on negative people. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I hear you. It, <laughs> it was t- it was honestly the hardest thing I mm. have ever dealt with. Worse than my dad dying, like right. it affected me for such a long time mm. I lost lots of friends through it because you lose friends if you suddenly don't earn as much money as them and mm. people can be like that yeah and that was hard that was really hard after that me and Mike got back together so sort of like grass ain't actually greener is it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're alright actually <laughs> you'll do <laughs> both getting old yeah we ain't as young as we used to be no so it's kind of great that you got back together, actually, isn't oh, it? Because it yeah, so could have gone the other way. Yeah, but we never felt horrid. Like, we used to be yeah. horribly childhood round, but then we would have done that. We've done that now when we're married. Like, you have a row. Yeah. No, it was a really good thing. It's a weird thing to happen, but because it's not norm, you think it's weird. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, mm. it isn't the norm. My mum didn't even understand how me and Mike were separated, doing our own thing, and he, the kids were living with him. Yeah even though it doesn't matter who's having the kids like it's about the kids and it's not yeah. affected them at all in mm-hmm. fact they've both moved back in with us now it's like go yeah. away <laughs> <laughs> they love you too much yeah, yeah they can't leave um, you alone so we got back together yeah and we were actually in the midst of this awful losing rock mm. and not being able to explain to people why like because you just don't need to do it it's just it's gone it's done let's leave it and what happened idea, with it did you did just say long story yeah. right mm. lost friendships and bad right. dealings and it's just 
Yeah. It wasn't right. And do you know what? I'll come out of it now. I'll go back to what happened next. But I realised I didn't really love it. it I was yeah. Like, I had an idea that was learning a lot of money. As you get older, it's all about being happy. Yeah, totally. It's, yeah. You go for a stage thinking, yes, the money is like spending. And I did. And I had a great time. But now, I just need to be happy. Because it does yeah. make a difference to your mental mm. health. And everyone can talk about mental health now. And yeah. you need to be happy. So that's Money right. helps, but it's not the oh, God, money crux out. of everything, of is it? It's like, I've realised that. You know, yeah. it's kind of... I don't need as much money as I used to think I needed. That's exactly it. You know exactly I mean? it. Yeah. I like the thrill of saving for something now or buying it and it being an experience. Mm. I went through a stage of just buying shit. Yeah. And it's not an experience. Like, I don't really like getting stuff from ASOS. Mm. I'd rather go in a shop and I, I, want, I want you to wrap it nicely. I want you to treat me nice in the shop. I want you yeah. To, I'm not saying I'd go to Le Bouteau or whatever, but I just want an experience. Yeah. Yeah, so that changed us. Mm. Definitely. So, yeah, we got back together. And then Mike's idea... Well, I'm depressed, like, yeah. rocking on a sofa thinking my life's over. <laughs> um, what age were the kids at this point? This was only five years ago. So right. we're up to five years now. And yeah. a lot's happened in that, too. Yeah, yeah. Five was, no, six years ago. So we're back together. Kids are with us. I think one of them's with us then. And Mike said, look, what I was starting to do, I was starting to make things. Because when I get depressed or down or you lose control in your life I make things I always have done mm. whether it's birthday cards or something crafty yeah. I think it's because you feel like you've got a bit of control and mm. it makes you happy or like at the moment I'm colouring to give up smoking and now I've got an addiction to colouring so like <laughs> that's how I'm always <laughs> yeah. so I was doing making stuff and then Mike said oh I've seen this woman she makes the most amazing she covers these chest of drawers in like designer wallpaper and sells them in Selfridges Bryony Porter I think right. was. he said you should have a look. You can yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. I had a look. I thought, gosh, she was selling them at like £1,000 for Chester Jewel. And I was like, can't really do that, but I'm sure I can tweak it in my way. So we went on a bus to, because we didn't even have a car back there, because obviously lost everything. Mm-hmm. Got a bus to a charity shop and bought a bookcase. And we even had to pay them to deliver it back to the flat back in Bermondsey. And I spent a weekend doing it up, painted it. Did Fornicetti's style on it. Mm. Put it on eBay. Sold in like two hours. And we were like, oh my God. Wow. That was easy. Because that feeling when you've like, you don't know where your money's coming from now. You haven't got that business. Mm. You know, you're dealing with loads of mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly having money and thinking, oh my God, we can eat or we can pay the bills. Mm. That buzz did not leave. I get that buzz now. So took some of that money, spent it on food and stuff then took a small amount and bought another piece, mm. did the same thing, did a different style. That sold. I was doing this on my balcony, six foot by four foot balcony. Would tiny. you say this was your, a slight, almost like a bit of a recovery time from feeling down? Yeah, so depressed. it wasn't to set up a business. This yeah. was something to give me, say, I felt like we were getting money. Mm. It was sorting that problem out. And Mike knows what I'm like. I need to make things to make things okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like some people do OCD cleaning when they're having issues or yeah. whatever. I would make stuff. And so it was two versus one stone. And we didn't yeah. do it as like, this is going to be our new business. This was to get me over. Being Which your therapy. To, yeah. Yeah. So I was doing it on the balcony. And then it just took off. It just went crazy. And I was very lucky, I mm. think, because I was just, because I wasn't doing it as a business, which will stop you doing certain things because you're yeah. trying, trying too hard. I was doing it for a bit of fun and to help my mental health. I was making things that were crazy. Mm. you thought so I met the first thing I made I completely covered 
this first one that I made that was completely covered, should I say, in like a flamingo fabric. It's actually an EastEnders uh, bedroom for right. flamingos. I put it online and it sold. And I recognised the name of the woman who bought it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that Susie Bubble? Susie Lau, I'm sure that's Susie Bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, I'm going to deliver it myself, obviously, so I'll know. So I delivered it. And it was. And I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. So I went, she was massive. Yeah. On the way home, I couldn't use my map on my phone because the notifications, she'd actually Instagrammed it. So she'd bought it, loved it, Instagrammed it. And I mean, back then, like people only get paid to do that. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, we got thousands of followers. Wow. And it blew up. Then I had to move the business. And like It was a little hobby on the balcony. <laughs> yeah. Now I've got to move it because yeah. this is getting too big. So I moved it in the flat. And in that time, someone contacted me and said, look, I've got a shop. I want your stuff. I love it. I want your stuff in my shop. And I said, look, I can't afford to take a shop on. Mm. She went, I want you so much. I'm going to do your deal. So this woman, random woman, gives me an amazing deal on a shop, which was just around the corner here. Mm. And that gave me room to have a showroom and a room out the back to make stuff. And I mean, in that, again, just blew. Because up until then, I'd made it on Instagram look like I'd got a shop. Right. It was my flat. Mm. So I would dress it to look like I've got a shop. So it helped you sell online because yeah. people don't want to suddenly risk spending money on something if you mm. on hobbyists. They don't. I mean, there's this mentality about it. Yeah. So suddenly I have got a shop. And then it just, everything kicked off. Within mm. two years, so much happened. I yeah. mean, we were asked to be doing so many TV shows and stuff like that, which I didn't want to do. Because I didn't really want to sort of give my ideas away. I didn't feel I needed the press. What do them in a way where you were just making stuff, or you were asked to go on? Yeah, go on and do stuff and show them. Yeah, I didn't need the press at the time. We were flying, yeah, and I didn't feel I wanted to give that chunk of my Mm. business away, so to speak, for not much in return. So I said no. And then one day I get a phone call from this production company, and she said, "Look, I own this production company, and this might seem a bit left field." But I've been asked for, to do a kids' TV show for the BBC, and I think you'd be great on it. And I was like, that is not left field. <laughs> I am all over that. Yeah. Kids' TV show, everyone remembers their favourite kids' TV show. My, my kids were like, Mummy Jane, we like kids. Yeah. <laughs> you never liked us. Oh, you don't like us. Why would I do it? I was like, I'm doing it. So, yeah, yeah so that's when I got Junk Rescue for CBeebies. And, oh my God, I mean, the first series, I can't watch, it's so dark, because obviously I'd never done TV, so mm. it was really t- difficult to watch. It's horrible sports. watching yourself, isn't it? I remember the first time I did QVC. Oh my God. Yeah. God, I did QVC, and I remember the very first episode, when I watched it back, I was like, oh my, my hands were shaking when they went up <laughs> well, close, I, I was I like a QVC mess. as well, yeah. actually, back in the day, and my daughters turned them into memes, because I <laughs> mucked up so many times. <laughs> I told the bloke to go finish himself off and <laughs> it was just by accident. Like it was nail fire. <laughs> just all... Oh, and then uh, when you when you probably um paint your shoes instead of your toes or whatever, like she's got them all. But yeah. anyway, hopefully they don't end up back on the internet. Um but this was really hard. We went we go to Scotland and film for a whole month mm. in November. It's like minus four. It's yeah. freezing. And I can't have clothes or coats on, so it was tough. But yeah, we've done two series, mm. and then then one day they phoned me while we were doing the filming and said, oh, do you want to sing the theme tune? Oh, do you sing? I went, no. <laughs> do you want to sing the theme tune? I went, mm, if you don't like mind it sounding like a bag of spoons being chucked <laughs> down the stairs, I'm in. <laughs> so, 
And I thought they'd leave it then. But no, they're like, no. So they wrote a song. I had to go and sing the theme tune. Can you imagine? I mean, this song is getting even crazier. Oh my God. Someone who doesn't sing, who comes from a family of show singers, (laughs) who's never made it. (laughs) And she comes and sings a theme tune for a kids' TV show. And then the second series, which was last last year, the year before, they wanted to bring out two songs. One about reusing plastic, or single-use plastic, and one about the three R's, reuse, reduce, recycle. So I went and recorded two songs. You'll have an album before you know it. Do you want a theme tune? (laughs) Have you got a theme tune? Oh, no. You write it, I'll sing it. (laughs) I can write songs. I used to do that as a kid. Really badly. So how crazy is that? Wow. Um, And then, yeah, And so now, now we're here. This is a new place. So we were in the shop. Got too small. Mm. We're now in this workshop, which is literally the road parallel to where our first shop is. We've been very lucky again. Our landlord loves us and like loves mm. us being here. We can teach here, so I do a lot of teaching. We've got Abby. We took Abby on, which is great. Mm. We've got another full timer starting next month. So mm. you know things have been slower growing than Rock, yeah. but much much more stable, mm. much more fun. I am in love with what I do. Every yeah, day. and it's ours. I'm not sharing it with anyone and I'm mm. not thinking I can't do it. I've done, even the social media, I used to pay someone to do that as well. Yeah. It's like, you don't realise you can't do it. You don't need to. Do you know what I mean? So, do you know what? I, I remember when I was doing Windler Moody, I did the social media at the beginning and we eventually got somebody in to yeah. do it. But in the end, I was a bit like, the best voice is from the yeah. people that... want to know who you are. Who, yeah. And I, I always struggled with the people that came in, yeah. I'll be honest with you. And if they're listening, sorry, I struggled with you all. <laughs> but, and I don't give a shit because that's how yeah. I felt. But it was very like, they were another a third voice that wasn't us. they don't asked. know you no. at all. No. And, and you know what? And, you t- and it's almost like you're taking the mick out of your followers. They, pe- people who follow do know if it's you or not. They, yeah. I know you can now tell how people are on social media. Yeah. You think you can't. You think, oh, it's it's a bit of a, a scream. But yeah. But it's not. I know people who are telling you. Like, I find it really irritating people on Instagram, these big influencers, who keep commenting on everyone's posts. Oh, this looks amazing, huh? Blah, blah. You know, it's bullshit. Just yeah. stop. It's yeah. just so you'll get more followers. Just stop. Just yeah. be self. Don't, you don't, it's not about the followers. It's the you know your content it's the content isn't it and yeah yeah, and people love i mean the messages we get we get some every day saying Mm. i love what you do you've given me courage to go out there and sod it and make something crazy Mm. because you know we do make crazy stuff so just to explain people funnily enough i was gonna just say (laughs) how would you describe your what you do because i mean i have to say i love it and i think i know there's a lot of upcycling going on and things like that isn't there but Okay, so it's really difficult because... Can I tell you one thing? This is my observation of it, because then I want you to tell me whether it's right or not. You'll probably go, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) My observation is, is that you don't just upcycle it where you restore it. You make it into a brand new object almost, but you update it and it becomes very modern and kind of, I hate the word relevance, it's not relevant to this, but do you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. and I'm so glad that you've said that because I was just about to say before that I need to now work out, go be clearer again because like my brain, mm. my business is going all over the place. There's yeah. so many things going on, which is fine. But, you know, you need a bit of clarity about people need to know what you're actually doing. Yeah. To a point like, you know, you saying this is what we do. I'm so glad because 
that's how I started. So mm. when I basically started up cycling, because it wasn't because I was a vegetarian eco warrior mm. like yeah like I'm now. <laughs> <laughs> it was about necessity mm. and cheapness and quality. So basically, I could make something amazing with great product mm. because old furniture is so much better built. Yeah. Right? So I had all these things at my, my fingertips to make something incredible. Mm. So that's how it started. But now it's evolved. So, yeah, main main business is I take things that are broken, discarded, or being chucked away. It's either free or very cheap. Mm. And I'm saving it from landfill. Like all the mannequin stuff. I used to empty all the stores and Gantt stores all over the country. Rather than chuck it to landfill... I'm reusing it. Mm. And I, so I'd start making, you know, mannequin lamps, leg planters, all those things. And what we do is never the same because I never know what I'm going to get. Yeah. So at the moment you're seeing a lot of animals because I've got this guy who makes animals for zoos and stuff, but they get broken. Mm. Like couriers break them or they get lost or they're damaged, whatever. So I buy them much cheaper. So I make them. But what I don't like is that I'll upcycling bullshit of it being a car engine coffee table or like mm. or have a site bicycle wheel clock I mean who wants that shit yeah like that's just stick of the dump luxury stick I'm of sure the dump I'm sure somebody wants it but yeah, it's not it's your just, thing it's not my thing no so I was saying to look also I went through that stage of not suddenly not having any money mm. and my life completely changing but I still had nice design ideas and yeah. what I wanted I couldn't afford it so when I was suddenly making this these pieces and I've always kept it affordable, accessible. And I've made sure I've kept my prices down. Either mm. I, my time that I spend on it or the products that I use to make it is cheaper. Because it's not fair that you have to spend lots of money to have something that looks really cool. Yeah. I make stuff that looks insane. Mm. But I've made sure it's affordable because it, it should be. Like, I have so many different clients. I've got clients who save up for our pieces. I've got clients who collect our pieces mm. I've got clients who have only got one of their pieces nothing else because they can't afford it like mm. it makes you happy and that's going through that stage in my life where I suddenly realised mm. you need to be happy things in your home make you happy yeah. where you live how mm. you have your home mm. does make because a lot of people spend a lot of time in it so I love the fact that I'm making stuff that people like. It changes people's lives. I, yeah. I know it sounds like really <laughs> wanky, but it does. Yeah. Like if you've got my pink gorilla in your house, I'm telling you, you're smiling every time you walk in that room because mm. that pink gorilla is insane. Yeah. But if you've got a horse's ass coming out light in your room, I mean, you yeah. know. Which incidentally, there's a few of them in the <laughs> workshop right now. Yeah. yeah. So we have got a theme at the moment because I have a lot of stuff from this guy. Things like these figurines that I don't know if you can't see it but if you look on our Instagram figurines that we find in charity shops very much we give them designer bags mm. we'll make Neil one to take back in the minute because I've got some on hand but now sort of now we've evolved I design my wallpaper and fabrics we use small businesses to make them in the UK so mm. we like we try and encourage and help people that are not necessarily always big yeah so we've got Sean she lives in Maxfield got an amazing studio in her garden she mm. makes all her soft furnishings out there fabrics and so yeah it's evolved and of course like we've got my wrapping paper that says shit gift on it so, <laughs> yeah i just yeah. make what i like and make yeah. me happy yeah and i think that's also helps other people they don't you're not always going to see the same here yeah you're constantly evolving and changing and doing stuff and i have to say that's one of the things that i actually love about it and this is the first time i've been here yeah. but i can just see that you're having fun making yeah. it and obviously the people are having fun buying it and I love the fact that it keeps evolving. It's not like you just yeah. keep reproducing like the same thing. Like you do in podcasts. Thing. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Because you've, you know, you 
doing what you do, you've got so many great stories and mm. done great things. You meet amazing people. Yeah. Who would have thought you should have done this years ago? Do you see what do I mean? Think? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> obvious, isn't it? Yeah. But it's funny how yeah. things evolve. It takes like, a while to get there, doesn't it? But you think, I mm. think sometimes you stop yourself from doing it because you think, oh, it's not normal. Like, I'm yeah. not going to dress and do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, actually, it's, it's funny you say that. Do you know what? I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said to me, do you make money from the podcast? And I said, actually, I don't, because you know what? That wasn't the reason why yeah. I did it. Because things will come from that. Mm. You know, there's yeah. other things. And that's what I do. I, sometimes I don't make money from the certain things. But you've made you happy doing it. You test yeah. it out. It might work. And then it evolves into something else. Like, yeah. this week, <laughs> I'm doing colouring to stop me smoking. Mm. And like I say, it's now turned into addiction, the colouring. Right. I have to, I what kind of colouring are we talking about? Colouring books, babe. Colouring books. Right. They're actually naughty word books, the ones I'm doing at the minute. Right. They're, I'm obsessed. There's ones with hidden willies in and so right. on. <laughs> But I'm, I'm awake at 11 o'clock at night laying in bed colouring. It's yeah. like, I never smoked at 11 o'clock at night. Need to stop. But now I'm decided I'm bringing out colouring books in all their designs. Yeah, so it's Because it's I've had people message evolved me. Evolved into something, yeah. because yeah. they've messaged me and said, oh my God, like, I do this for my anxiety, I do this. And I was like, oh my God, this is a bigger thing than I thought. Mm. How this is used for... Yeah. depression, anxiety, and all these people mm. are meeting on Instagram from my stories of me colouring, saying, yeah. oh my God, I've been using that for years, I'm so glad someone else is, oh my God, you should try this book. Holy world, but isn't it weird? But something yeah. like that, mm. didn't do it for business, I was just letting people know, I'm just being mad right now. And yeah, 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 um, trying not to have a fag, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. That's now shown me a t- totally different clientele yeah. I've got that all use this for their anxiety. Mm. So that, and so with you with the podcast, I mm. mean, I love listening to what loads of people. Mm. I mean, it's funny where you listen to some people you think they're going to be really interesting. They're doing really well and actually like, oh, that's boring. Yeah. And it's like, I love the thought that you've got this thought of someone in their head and it's completely different. I'll yeah. It's not always how you imagine. No. Makes you feel better I hopefully well. try and pick people that have got <laughs> quite an interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> you know. A few weeks ago, you wouldn't want to listen to me. No. <laughs> no, we've been trying to plan this yeah. for a few weeks. I mean, we? I do miss the whole meeting people like you guys on shoots. Yeah. Because obviously now it's just me and Abby. He's locked away in the studio. Yeah. Because, right? yeah. you know, I mean, But then do you feel like you get that people. when you go and do the TV show with, with like. Well, I do. Oh, obviously, I've not watched the TV show because it's for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I will watch I an episode now. I've been on a couple of adult TV shows as but well. But do you have kids in it? Or? Yeah, three yeah. kids each to each episode. So basically, right. the premise is there's me and Danny in the junkyard. Yeah. I'm having a look around the junkyard, and then Danny finds, say, a lump of wood and says, Oh, I know somebody who could do amazing things with this. And he goes off in the show to meet an, an adult sort of crafter or upcycler or whatever. Mm. I stay in the junkyard with the kids and just let them make anything out they find in the junkyard out of junk. So there's no pressure. They've got to make a certain thing. Yeah. Just basically encouraging their imagination to just use what's in the house mm. to make whatever you want. So you don't have to go and buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And also because in the show you're being shown like Danny might have found a block of wood and someone's turned it into a guitar. Mm. Like it wasn't waste after all and it's it's got a great premise to the show I mean it is really good and I'm surprised there's not more shows like that for adults yeah because yeah. <laughs> a lot say. of them are like oh don't go to the tip spend 500 quid on that chair and you can make 10 quid yeah that, you know it's just not reality is it right so yeah the kids shows are completely different because obviously I don't really I do see kids out and they're like oh my god it's but it's not it's not been great for business because obviously they don't buy my things but I've loved every minute of doing it and I Mm. love that I've been nominated for an award hasn't it as well yes yes 
done my research. Sorry, done my research. <laughs> but I still miss the whole the show, like because I've you know I've done the house for Barbara Streisand and yeah Meryl Streep and I did Maleficent film. I did mm. you know I did a lot of film stuff. Yeah, I loved that because I've touched on it, but that didn't creatively. If you've it's, got a creative mind, does not no help my. It's I've funny because that's an environment you only get to be in if you do a certain job. Yeah. It's not an environment that anybody can just People walk into. call on you for your creativity. Yeah. When you're doing nails, you're getting told what to do. Mm. It is different on a shoot. You are the lowest of the low. Mm. You are creative, but people will have you and listen to you. You can do your thing. So you're getting your creative fix. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're yeah. doing nails, you're sort of not. You're yeah. Like, yeah, can you do that? Mm. If you try and give them an idea, they're like, wind your neck in. <laughs> <laughs> no, you please. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give us a lovely beige. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do love an almond beige. Um, yeah, so do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. I miss, I would love to have got that hairdresser stage. That's where I wanted to be, right from the beginning. Yeah. Doing hair. So it was always in you, really, wasn't yeah. it? To be at, to put your stuff out there. Yeah. I guess, in a way, thinking about it, Maybe Nail Rocks was your version of that. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's where you got to do more your thing. Yeah. But then, like you it say, just, that didn't you know, work in the harsh end. Harsh lessons. Yeah. Because also it taught me business. Mm. Did know nothing yeah. about business mm. that, until that. Well, I knew about business, not that scale. Yeah. Totally out of my league. Now I know. <laughs> yeah. Get a decent account and do this. Like, you know. Um, so what are the adult shows that you've done? <laughs> that sounds really bad, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you've done your research. X-rated. You know. <laughs> Triple X-rated. <laughs> muck and muck. Brass and a bit muck. Muck and brass. Um, yeah. Um, there was, I was on Flipping Profit. Right. BBC One. Mm-hmm. I think it's being aired in New Zealand right now. But I'm sure you can find that somewhere. That was good. That was, I did four episodes of that whole season. But that was insane for business. I mm. mean, so we did four episodes and that did more for me than doing three years of <laughs> CBBS because yeah. obviously kids just get plonked in front of the telly and get mm. babysat for yeah. by me. <laughs> so yeah. that was looking at my work. Um, but yeah, that was insane for mm. TV. But we're all, we are actually got some projects possibly doing, happening, some bigger things. I was just about to say, what's next for you guys? For you, what's happening? Are you, well, I, I don't realise there's stuff you might not be able to talk about yet. Yeah, I mean, there's possible new shows with mm. some drag queens in America. So that's quite insane. Wow. Um, but you never know, I mean, they all have, like, we've talked about things for years. Yeah. And you never know what's going to come out. Mm. Obviously, I want to do my colouring books. Bring them out. Yeah. That's a big thing for That's me right now. That's a big thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've got some new wallpaper designs coming out. I've got, yeah, there's just, yeah, I can't, I can't plan that far ahead because I do go off in a... Tangents. Yeah. yeah. If it works, it works. It don't, it And I'm really in a good place mm. where it's making me feel good doing that. Yeah. Teaching is helping as well because I'm... I'm seeing people who were in the position I was in when I first started. Mm. And that makes you feel good. Yeah. Like, okay, this is what I did. And I know this is how it's making you feel because I was there. I've yeah. actually been there. Mm. I've had no money. So I'll help you make you be, you know, and I'm loving that part of it. I love the How do people come to you to be taught? How does that happen? Go on our events page and it'll list all the classes and workshops we've got going on. Saturday is what we call table manners mm. and we supply everything for all of our workshops. So this one you come along, we supply a little end table and I teach you from scratch how to prep, paint, paper it, make it look fabulous so you can sell it. Mm. You take it home after. 
Um, so if you want to start your own small upcycling business, we've got we got so oh, we've got upholstery workshops. We've got skill builder where you bring your own piece in and you can mm. work it like a chest of drawers. Yeah. So and I really like helping. We're bringing new ones out where we're going to teach you how to turn your hobby into a business. Right. That'll be this year as well. Amazing. Oh, I think so exhausted now. I'm no. sorry, Neil. No, no, no. I'm not exhausted saying you are. Oh, no, it's been brilliant. No, it's Thanks, really Zoe. good. And do you know so what I love good. is that you've shown as well over the years that your determination is what gets you to where you Being want asked to, be. to go on your podcast makes me feel like I'm a proper grown-up <laughs> Falling in and out of the industry, like yeah. falling out, like grazing my ass on it, like really badly. <laughs> it makes you feel like, oh my god, I've lost that set. I've lost those friends because I don't see you anyone. I don't no, see, do you know, no. I see and hear from you about mm. people from Mike because he's yeah. still in there. But then he's rubbish. I'm like, oh, how's so and so? Oh, I don't know. Like yeah. you know, and I miss that. Well, listen, thanks so much. That's so amazing. And now we're going to get to um, to finish off to round off, which I know you're quite excited about. <laughs> yeah. said, well, I don't know what questions going on. Yeah, the quick fire questions. Yeah. As you've listened to some of my podcasts, you can answer one word, sentence, or divulge. It's entirely <laughs> up to you. I call them quick fire just because they're short, sharp questions. But you can answer for you. Don't have to be that quick about your answer. So let's go. What's your guilty pleasure? Housewives of Dallas. I don't actually watch TV. Right. But I do watch that. However. <laughs> I do watch that. And I, because I like going to Dallas. My friend lives in Dallas, so I'm there. And I've just managed to watch the new series before it's out over here. So I'm right. really um, smug. Okay. Um, yeah. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Ricky Gervais. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or if he couldn't play me, he writes the script. Why Ricky Gervais? Oh, he gets me. <laughs> I've heard I've not seen it. Oh, well. Can you watch it? Yeah, have you mm. not watched it? No. Go on my Twitter, I'll put it up. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so you can write the script. Right. Meat, veggie, or vegan? Oh, God. Meat. Yeah. Karaoke song of choice? Oh, Dolly Parton 95. <gasps> or Jolene. Oh, any Dolly Parton. Any Dolly song. Any Dolly. God, yeah, yeah, nine to five. How brilliant. <sighs> If you could be invisible for a day, where would you go and what would you like to Men's do? Men's sauna. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to go in one of them. Really? Well, I don't see why they get gay saunas and I've never seen a heterosexual one like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. You, you might asked. be upset by the time you leave. <laughs> I think it's the time of day you go. You might have to Listen, for a gay man, it doesn't matter what time it is. <laughs> yeah. That's not speaking from experience. <laughs> I've just, can you take a camera? <laughs> I honestly, I've always drive past them and like, oh my god, I just want to go. Well, in like what goes on in there? Yeah. Well, I don't want to. I know what goes on. I yeah. just <laughs> you just want to see. Yeah. See if it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Favorite food? Mm, rice pudding, which is really tough because I can't have dairy. Oh. It affects my skin. I get psoriasis really badly. Can't have dairy. And I've been eating rice pudding out of a tin for years. That is my favourite oh, thing. God, it has to be so out of a tin. Yeah. And then I've got to point, I love the cheap one out of a tin. Like, <laughs> I liked a bit of a juice in it. <laughs> and I can't have it anymore. It's killing me. Can you make your own without oh, milk? Oh, with almond milk. No, I don't, it just wouldn't be... Don't, like, don't yeah. ruin my memories. Do Sorry. You know what I mean? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Uber for, Uber for What was the last item you bought that's nothing to do with work? Oh, what was the last item I bought? 
Oh, my leopard print carpet in the lounge. Oh, nice. Yeah. Favourite country you've ever visited? Oh, Cambodia. Mm. I've never been there. Oh, Angkor Wat, you need to go. Is it amazing? You really need to go, mm. yeah. While it's still quite untouched, because right. it's going yeah, to evolve like Thailand did. Yeah. What chore do you hate doing? Oh, see, I actually... Do you not do any? <laughs> oh, making a cup of someone a cup of tea. I do hate that. Do you hate doing that? I don't drink tea or coffee. Right. I can't bear it. I can't. I, I drink hot chocolate, but I don't even make that myself. Mm. I actually made Abby, this is no word of a lie, a cup of tea for the first time yesterday. Straight up. Wow. Yeah, I don't, that, I can't be asked. I hate it when I've asked at home, like, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say yeah, because I won't be making it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your favourite ice cream flavour? And I don't know why, but I always think this question says a lot about the person. I, this has just recently changed, which is weird you ask this. Mm. I've always been like a chocolate strawberry or a, you know, cart door mix of all sorts of mints and stuff. Gone on to vanilla. But it needs to be the vanilla pod of like a proper tasting yeah, vanilla. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can see speckles of brown in it. Yeah. That. Right. But I'm having to have vegan ice cream in a minute because I can't have dairy. And they do, there's one, I can't remember what the brand is, but do the most amazing um, vanilla. Mm. And I'm, yeah. How vanilla? Have vanilla. you become vanilla in general? Nothing, is it? <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> That's I retract that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done anything illegal? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a yes. That's a no, because I'm a presenter on CBBS. But I, I flew to New York a few years ago. And I had to go and be interviewed by Cosmopolitan magazine because Mike had done Adele's Nails for the Grammys. Mm. So I landed, went straight to this restaurant, got interviewed. Hadn't really checked in. Still got my little case of me. Big cases at the hotel. She left. I was still hungry. So I went to the toilet. I was going to come back and order a pudding or something. Came back and the whole restaurant was empty. I was like, oh my God. So I've gone outside. <laughs> I was like, where's, where am I with everyone? And they're like, oh my God, there's, you know, suspicious package. And I went, shit, my suitcase. So I ran back in and I went, these are like, what are you doing? These, these are very sensitive times, ma'am. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, as I said, are you fucking kidding me? This copper handcuffed me, shoved no me back way. in the police car, zoomed off. I've never been so terrified in all my life. They drove me off. Then they put me in this room that was like, it was like an old DSS office. It mm. wasn't like a cell, but it was like a whole, there was lots of people I didn't want to speak to in there. And it had this odour mm. in there. And I was there all night. No one spoke to me. Next morning, this guy grabbed me and said, come over, got to this desk, signed this form and said, right, you can leave. I was like, is that it? And at the time, I was getting my A1 yeah. visa. I'm like, oh my God, that's it. I'm done. Like, <laughs> what have I actually done? Like, mm. I've sworn here and I've never been arrested. In fact, every other word is a swear word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, because of my bag, I'd left it. Even though I'd said to them, look, you know, I only went to the toilet. Mm. I said, I didn't even have a poo. I went for a wee. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's Alexander Being McQueen really bag. British. Why would I yeah. put that up? Now listen here. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I got out of the station, and I was in Queens. Wasn't even in Manhattan anymore. Had nothing on me, still no bag. Mm. Had to get a cab to take me to my hotel. They had to pay for the cab. 
then I had to get more go and get the case and I literally just broke down like and people I got my emails up and everyone's like where are you why aren't you answering you were supposed to be at a meeting I had to go straight there I didn't have time to get changed so I still haven't been changed since I landed the day before mm. and go for a meeting where the PR company was going to look after our brand Rock and I walked into the office and I went I'm so sorry I was arrested and broke down on the portrait <laughs> <laughs> shaking and they were like just like really calm down to <laughs> yeah all right love you okay honey? my god um, though, yeah that's quite mad, so isn't it? it was the worst it was my first time in america mm. it was yeah so i was arrested for swearing in new york so i haven't done anything illegal no, but i don't think it is illegal. Think you had. Yeah. <laughs> i didn't know that yeah um yeah well because i left my bag um but it, anyway then it turns out it was the anniversary of 9-11 Right. Yeah, so that was why it's a bit sensitive. But even so, I it was mean, a bit rough. It's not like you. It was really rough. Yeah. Like honestly, I've never been so scared in yeah. my life. And to be shoved in a like handcuffed behind the back in the back of a police car, but no, I was so embarrassed as well. Yeah. Like <gasps> they're really scary, the police in New York. As well, you don't aren't talk they? to them. No. no way. You can't ask directions and stuff no. like that. No way. I had this incident when I was living in New York. I had a thing where I used to have a bike, you know, cycle bike. And everyone went through red lights. <laughs> so I did the same. And I went uptown on my bike. And on my way back, I was coming through Times Square. All these couriers on their bikes. I whizzed through. Guess who pulled, gets pulled <laughs> over? Me. Right? This cop literally like, oh. photo ID right now. And of course, I was a bit like, what? And I was a bit like, what have I done? And he went, he went, you went through a red light. And I went, there's like 50 other couriers going. And he was but like, faster than you. Totally, basically. I mean, I was pooping along, like, along, driving Miss Daisy. He's you know walking I mean? along next to you. Pull over. <laughs> totally. And he went to me, you don't produce photo ID right now. I'm going to have to arrest you. And of course, I was literally like, what the fuck is going on? Did you even say that out loud? No, I didn't say that. that. No. That's where I found But you know what I did? I thought, Neil, you need to be really British at this point. And I was a bit like, terribly sorry, <laughs> officer. I wish I'd said, done that. <laughs> I said, but... I just don't carry a photo ID. I only have... Anyway, what transpired was, bless him, he actually took pity on me because he was like, you're not from here. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm British and we don't have IDs. We don't have and, no, and, <laughs> and he went, well, I'm sorry, but I've written you out a ticket now. He said, so you're going to have to go to your local precinct and present it to them. And, and he said, but I've written it out and said, you've got a missing reflector on your bike. So I was like, okay, fine. I can cope with that. So I go to my local precinct with this thing. And honestly, it was the most embarrassing situation ever. I walk in and I went, hi, I've come to pay this. And the guy goes, Mr. Reflectors, is that on a, like a Harley or something? And I went, no, it's my Trex bike. And he went, <laughs> called over three cops in the in the precinct, kind of going, check this out, guys. He got, he got a fucking ticket for Mr. <laughs> And I just literally shrunk. So I was like, this is so embarrassing. I've never had great experiences in New York. No. I went into a shop once and this woman, uh, cashier, went, oh my God, come over here. She's from France. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. <laughs> then I went for a massage once and they asked, did they want, this woman asked to like, you know, did I want finishing right happy ending <laughs> i was like i'd never yeah. ever heard that before on a bloke yeah i'm sure that yeah you've heard it and i was like this isn't the place for me <laughs> <laughs> i thought new york was like oh fun never seen yeah like, yeah. yeah it's great funny i'd love it <laughs> that's hilarious anyway last question <laughs> did you get a reflector 
No. No. No, I couldn't be bothered. It's like, I was just so, I just wanted to get out of that precinct so quickly. I was like, I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. He's like, is it the Harley outside? I'm like, no, it's the little Trex push bike. I mean, just so embarrassing. Anyway, <laughs> what would you say, speaker, what would you say is your best feature or personality trait? Oh, I don't think I've got a good personality trait. <laughs> I really don't. Um, oh, I feature, don't think... probably my forehead, because everyone thinks I've had Botox, and I haven't. And I actually probably will get wrinkles to keep proving to people yeah, that I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had Botox. So they're like, oh, yeah, I've got no lines. So I'm quite happy about that. I'm mm. quite lucky, considering I've been smoking up until last week. Yeah. I've been smoking all my life. Right. And my skin is not bad at all. No. So, yeah, really I think my skin's... Mm. I say that, but I've got psoriasis everywhere else, but my face is all right. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I say my skin. Mm. Personality trait, just I'm happy, really. I think you're funny. You're just happy. Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> you've got a good sense of humour. I mean, it would take a tough, tough joke to piss you off from me if I'm mm. laughing. Mm. But, yeah. Mm. I'd yeah. say you're funny. What's yours then, Neil? What is yours? Oh, my God. <laughs> my best feature is my legs. <laughs> Because my mum my mom always used to say to me, you've got a good pair of legs on you. It's like, and I always say now, I'm good from the waist down, not so good from the waist yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I'm better with my clothes on these yeah. days. My curly hair gets a lot of yeah, attention, like I'll be honest with you. Well. People are always like, especially, it's a bit wet right now still, but people are always like, oh, you've got amazing hair. But I'm like, yeah, you haven't got it on your head. And a great beard. I mean, it's taken Mike 20 years to grow yeah, a beard. Well, so you shaved it off, actually. Really? But you've got a good beard. I've got a good, yeah, yeah good, good coverage. facial hair. Anyway, that's it, Zoe. Oh, Thank you. You're doing every <laughs> I know, right? And just have a chat. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, anyway. No, thank you for making me feel like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody with my guest, Zoe Pocock. You can follow Zoe on her Instagram account, which is at Zoe Muckenbrass. That's Z-O-E-M-U-C-K-N-B-R-A-S-S. Or you can follow the company, which is at Muckenbrass, M-U-C-K-N-B-R-A-S-S dot com. Again, Muckenbrass is M-U-C-K-N-B-R-A-S-S. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes, including all of Series 1, already available to listen to straight away. Thanks for listening.